Aren't you grateful for his presence in our lives, in every facet of our lives, every aspect of our lives, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what the struggle, the difficulty, no matter the blessing, he's always there. Uh, he promised he would never leave us nor forsake us, uh, and that is a solid promise that you can count on from his word. But I don't want us to lose sight of the reason why he's always with us. I don't want to steal your joy but he's always there. He's always with us in the midst of everything that we go through for his great name's sake. It's for his glory. That's the reason he's always with us because it's always all about him. And we struggle with that. I know we struggle with that. I, maybe I shouldn't give your testimony. Maybe I should say I struggle with that. Because I want to make it all about me. I want it to be all about me, but the Bible teaches me that it's really all about Him and about His glory. That's what life is about. It's about the glory of God. And we spent some time a couple of weeks ago talking about that, probably at nauseum. Uh, we went through verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And you know, I've found since then in my daily reading, it's like every day God gives me another one of those verses that says, it's really all about me. I created everything for my glory it manifests my glory. I created it for my glory. I created it for me to bring me glory. He, we, we, we talked about the nation of Israel and how he delivered them, the great deliverance that he brought to them. But he brought them that deliverance for his great name's sake. He, he didn't, when, when, they, when they were so offensive during that wilderness journey, and, and they, they so... Uh, whined and complained and, and mocked and, and ridiculed, God didn't destroy him for his great name's sake. He even sent his son to live in these bodies of flesh, to die a sacrificial death on a cross for his glory. He brought me into into connection with that message of the gospel. He, he saved me, not really for my benefit. Oh, I, I benefit immensely. But God's end game in that wasn't my benefit. He loves me. I, I'm not taking any of that away from us. I'm not trying to steal that from us. He does love us, and, and there's a benefit to it. But, but ultimately... He saved me for his glory. That's the reason behind it. That's the why behind everything God does. And if that's the why behind everything God does, it stands to reason that that should be the why behind everything that we do. If God's overarching motivation in everything that he does is his glory, then, then, then the overarching motivation in everything that I do should be his glory. And, and so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're continuing to talk about that. We affectionately around here talk about the five E's, right? And some of you know what that is, and some of you probably don't know what that is at all. Uh, and so we're walking through those E's, and, and we'll, we'll get to them in just a minute. And, and so that first week we talked about exalt, because that kind of is the all-encompassing thing. If, if life is really all about the glory of God, then as a church of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be a church of Jesus Christ, we, we don't get to choose what's important to us because we're the body of Christ. And so it's not like we sit down in a boardroom somewhere and, and screw, you know, map it out and say, okay, here's, here's what our values are because they're not, really, they're not really our values because we're his body. They need to be his values, right? We're to be the manifestation of him, not the manifestation of us. Uh, we're, in fact, we're supposed to be, and we'll see in a minute, dead. All right, so we're to be Christ in the world, we're, and, and, and that's true individually, but that's, that's super true collectively. We're the body of Christ collectively as a church, 
So we're to put God on display, we're to manifest him, we're to live by his value, we're to have his priorities, we're to be who he is. That's, that's our goal, that's our mission, that's what we're, we're seeking to achieve. And so when we talk about these things, we're, we're saying that exalting him is, is the all-encompassing thing, and, and, and as a church, our responsibility is to provide for you a process or a pathway so that you can achieve that goal. So that you, you have a, a means, a vehicle, a way to fulfill your God-given responsibility of bringing glory to God. And so we've done that through these five E's, right? So, so we started with exalt, and we'll, we'll get and walk through them in a minute, evangelism, and, and, and Cody talked about that last week, and, uh, and we'll go on through them. It's, it's important that we recognize that, that Jesus Christ, God... God, that's Jesus Christ is God, all right? There's a lot of people today who want to say he never, he never claimed to be. Those are people who've never read the Bible, apparently, or, or read it and didn't pay attention. Over and over again, he manifests himself. He professes himself to be God. So God, when God came to this earth and wrapped himself in humanity, when he came and he, he lived as a man, he, he told us how to glorify God. In John 15, he says, herein is my Father glorified. All right, now, if, if my purpose in life is to glorify God, wow, I need to listen, right? I need to tune in right now because he's about to tell me how to do that. He's about to tell me how to fulfill my life purpose. Herein is my Father glorified. Okay, how is my Father glorified? How can we glorify God with our lives? Bear much fruit. Bear much fruit. He... he Bear much fruit. <laughs> if my purpose in life can be reduced to three words, I should probably really pay close attention to those three words. Don't you think? I mean, you know, it's not like we're going to show up in heaven one day and go, God, I tell you what, man, I sure was, I was, I was all about that thing, man. I was trying to glorify you, but it just got so complex. I mean, this is, this is not the, you know, the tax code. This is not a bill coming out of Congress. God, God understands us, and he keeps it simple. Right? For people like me, who are of less than average intelligence, we can figure it out. Bear much fruit. The message is simple, not necessarily easy. And it's not easy because it requires something of us that that we are vehemently against. <laughs> we, we all have the nature to live, right? We, we all fight to live, and our flesh fights to live. But in order to bear much fruit, it requires that we die. Just a few chapters previous to him making that declaration in John 15, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, he, he's talking with his disciples in John chapter 12. Jesus is God come in human flesh, and he's entered into Jerusalem, he's made his triumphant entry, and, and there's these Greeks who show up, and uh, that was foreign because uh, they're Greeks, and uh, they're not Jews, and they say, we would see Jesus, we want to see Jesus, and, 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 and Philip and Peter come, and they tell Jesus, hey, these guys have shown up to see you, and it's pretty awesome that, that this movement we got going here is going big time, and, and Jesus says, that's a good thing, it's a good thing that, that they desire to see me, but then he goes into this, this confusing, maybe, uh, story, he, he says, verily, verily, this, this is really true, you need to understand this, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it beareth, it bringeth forth, excuse me, much fruit, and the same thing he says over in John 15, but he says the key to this thing is death. When what Jesus is saying that, that's foreign to everyone around, that the reason, one of the reasons the Jews rejected him as the Messiah is because he died, right? Because in our humanness, we're like, that's, that's, that doesn't work. That's, that, how can you be the Messiah? How can you be God and die? That just doesn't work. But Jesus says, in order for me to achieve the goal... In order for me to bring glory to God, it's going to require that I go the way of the cross. 
I'm going to have to die. And he uses this agricultural analogy. He says, a grain of wheat is no good. If it doesn't go into the ground and die, then it doesn't bring forth fruit. You've you got to put it in the ground and go through that German, uh, what's the word I want? That word. Process so that it can bear much fruit. And, and, and he says that about himself, but he doesn't leave it there. He, he says, it's the truth about me, but, but don't miss this, verse 25. It's the truth about you as well. He that loveth his life shall lose it, but he that, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it until life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And so Jesus says this, this truth about me is not just for your salvation, it's for your emulation. You're, you're, to, you're to do the same thing. I'm going to die to bring forth much fruit, but, but you too, you too need to die to yourself. You need to hate your life. And you might say, you know, well, I, I, I kind of hate my life. My job stinks, and I don't like my house, and, you know, my car, you know, it's, it's, man, it's almost five years old. I hate my life. <laughs> you might have missed the concept. He's saying, I hate my earthly existence. I hate my flesh. I, I hate the lust of the flesh. I hate that my flesh wants things that, that God doesn't want for me. I hate the lust of my eyes. I hate it when I drive by the new car dealership. No offense, new car guys. You know that my flesh wants one of those. My nose wants one. You don't want to smell that. New car smell. I hate that. I, I hate the pride of my life. I hate that I'm envious of people who have position that I don't have. He, he's saying... Hating our lives, hating the, the physical, fleshly existence, hating living for selves so that I can, I can die to self so I can live unto Christ. Hating living for my glory so I can live for his glory. That's what he's saying. That, that, we, would, that we, would, we would have this transferred life. That, that we would give our lives up for him. It's, it's hard to, to hate our lives. It's, it's hard for us to, to, to live as a servant. That's what he says. To, to, to go in servitude and be this bond servant to God. That my life would be all about. Those are hard things. But he, he says that that's a hard truth. But it's also a glorious truth. Because if I'll, if I'll hate my life in this world. Then I, I can keep my life into eternal life. And, and he says that my father is going to be his father. God the father is going to be pleased. And he's going to honor me. But he says that that's the way to, to real life. And so, so when, when we think about this idea that, that, that life is about glorifying God, it's a simple concept, but it's tough to do because it requires that I die to myself. That I don't live my life for me. That I don't do what I want to do. I don't make decisions based on what I think or what I want. I make decisions based on what he thinks what he says in his word and what he wants. I don't live to please me. I live to please him. And so, so we talked about that's, that's, the, the, that's God's intent. And, and, and Cody last week talked about evangelism and, and, and the idea that, that what God wants, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so what I... What I do is I live my life to sow the seeds of the Word of God. Peter talks about that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of, of precious seed, the seeds of the Word of God. And so I'm, I'm sowing seeds. I'm sowing seeds of the Word of God. I'm, I'm constantly seeking to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that hope, hopefully, ultimately will result in someone coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That, that, that's what that's about. And, and, and he said time and time again, what's required is that we die to ourselves in order to do that because... You know, if I'm living for me, it, let's just, I know we're at church, but it's tough to share the gospel. I mean, there's some of you, it's not, but you're, you're the exception, not the rule. For the average person, sharing the gospel is tough. 
there's a pain line to get over. I've got to get past the fear of rejection. I've got to get past the, the fear of the stigmatism that's going to be attached to me. I've got to get past all these things. What's people going to think about me? What, what if I can't answer all their questions? I've got to get past all that stuff if I'm going to share the gospel. I've got to die. I've got to die to me if I'm going to share the gospel. And that, and that shouldn't surprise us. Paul told us in Galatians that, that the flesh, that's me, lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's this battle that goes on between my flesh and, and what God wants, and, and there's a fight there. And, and so ultimately what I have to do is not just try to control my flesh, but to die to myself so that I can bring glory to God in my life. And it works through this process. It starts with evangelism. I think we've got these, this little circle that we've, we've shown you. Uh, exalt in the middle. Uh, the idea is that we exalt God with our lives, right? That's the goal. That's what God intends. That's his purpose. And so we said that starts with evangelism. And so this is kind of a circular thing. Cody talked about evangelism last week. Uh, and, and so the first time you're going around this circle, you're a recipient. Right? You need to receive... Jesus Christ is your Savior. Hear me today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot bring glory to God. It's an impossibility. And, 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 and may I lovingly say to you today, without spending a ton of time walking through the scriptures on this, if you're not born again, there's nothing within your life that brings glory to God. I say, oh, no, 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 Joe, no, no, I can do good. Not by God's standard, you can't. Not as a lost person, you can't, I'm sorry. Oh, no, there's lots of people, they're philanthropists, and they're wonderful, and they, they give to charity, and they do all these wonderful things. By man's standard, okay. By God's standard, no. Jesus said, there's none good but God. Why callest thou me good? He says to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, why are you calling me good? Well, what the point he's getting to is, are you recognizing that I'm God? Because there's none good but God. Paul said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth only a few good things. You know what he said? No good things. Paul, the apostle Paul, he said, there's nothing good about me. Nothing. No good thing. Without God, without the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us, there's no good thing. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. There's nothing of benefit without God in us. So, so it has to start with evangelism. Not being a good church member, not being a good citizen, but being born again. Being redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So the first time around this, 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 this circle, you're a recipient. You've got to receive the gospel, and then the second E is encourage, and we're going to talk about that today. And so once you've received the gospel, then you need encouragement. You need connections that, that result in relationships. Ministry runs on the rails of relationships. We need relationships with one another. You may say this morning, not, not me, Joe, not me, I, I, I'm a... Uh, 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 man, I, I can't think of any words this morning. I, I'm, I'm somebody that likes to be alone. What do you call those people? Introvert. I, I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't need... I, you know this COVID-19 thing? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Stay home all the time. I don't have to see people. Talk to people. I don't like people. People like that. There are, really. People in the world like that. I'm going to argue with you today that you need encouragement. You know... I was thinking about this. The, the reason we need encouragement is because God said we do. You know, it's, it's, it's like your car, you know? Your car needs some things to function according to its purpose. You, you can choose to say it doesn't need those things, and you can do all kinds of other, you know, you can make your car a planter, you could, you know, you could make it a, you know, it seems like some people want to make them yard ornaments. Uh, you, you, could, you could do all kinds of things with a car, but if you don't put gas and oil in that thing, it will not fulfill its purpose you can say no it doesn't need any gas it's just sitting in the yard okay well it can sit there nicely but it's not accomplishing its purpose the the manufacturer's intended purpose is not happening in this car 
Uh, it might make a nice planter, but that's not, that's not the intended purpose. It's not the reason it was made. And, and you might be able to exist, and, and you might carry out some things, but you're not going to function, you're not going to accomplish your intended purpose, bringing glory to God, without encouragement. You need relationships. You can't be a loner. Sorry. You need people in your life. That first time around, we're, we need that for ourselves, and, and, and it's ongoing, don't, don't get me wrong. But, but, but the second time around, we're, we're not so much a recipient as we are a, a giver, a donor, right? So we're giving the gospel, we're giving encouragement. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of them because of time, but, but we're going to get to them, right? So we'll talk about being edified, and we'll talk about uh, being equipped, and, and, and how that following that continuous flow, and that's the reason we made it with arrows like that, is that we would see this is not a one-time gig. You don't, listen, I said I wasn't going to do this, I'm going to do it. I'm a liar, write it down. You know, discipleship isn't for your, your consumption. You receive, why? It's what Jesus told his disciples. Freely you have received, freely give. You're discipled so that you can disciple others. That's the point. We, we, we equip people so that they can go and reach others and, and minister to others. It, it's a cyclical thing, and so we need to be a part uh, of all of these things. The first time through as a recipient, the second time through uh, as a donor, as a contributor... We, we need to be a part of that. And so when we talk about encouragement, the, the way that we achieve encouragement is through small groups. You're, you're not going to achieve that in a room like this. It just doesn't work that way. We need relationships. We need connections that result in relationships. And it's hard to connect in this kind of a format. If, if, if it was just about conveying a message... Then, then maybe this is the best way. Let's all come and sit down together, although there's some studies that would say you'd, you learn better in a small group. But, but if it's just to get the, you know, the words from my mouth into your ears, then, then okay, yeah, let's all jump in here and, and you know, I'll say words and you open your ears. But encouragement isn't about that. Encouragement's about having relationships with other people. It's about having people in our lives so that we can receive ministry and so that we can, we can give ministry. And that happens best in the context of a small group. It doesn't happen in a large group. In fact, studies say that we lose community right around 100 people. It's one of the reasons that most churches in America are about 100 people. Because we, we have a hard time growing larger and growing smaller at the same time. Making sure that we maintain those small group relationships while at the same time adding to the, the whole. It's a difficult thing to do. And the difficulty of that uh, often doesn't happen. And so uh, we, we need one another. And so I've got to get to my message. That's the introduction. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says that we're to, we're to consider one another and provoke unto love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so the, the writer of Hebrews says we're to provoke one another. We're, well, he starts by saying we're to consider one another. Uh, and so, I, I, again, that, the ideal is relationship. I need a relationship if I'm going to consider you. If I'm going to, I, I got to know you if I'm going to consider you to, so that I can provoke you to love and to good works so that I can exhort you, I can encourage you. That's, that's what the word means, to, to call near, to invite, to invoke by, by imploration or consolation, beseech, call for comfort. It, it's exhortation. And, and the way that we do that is by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together and, and coming together. And when we come together... That, that we do certain things. And so there's a great example of this in the scriptures. And, and I'm quickly going to look at his, him. His, his name is Barnabas. Uh, Acts chapter 4 talks about him. And it says that he was so good at this that the, the apostles surnamed him Barnabas. And that's, that means son of consolation. That word consolation uh, is often uh, translated as ex exhortation. And so 
He's, he's one who, who comforts, who, who, who alleviates misery in people's lives. He, he, he sees distress in people's lives. He's a, a refreshment to people. The Apostle Paul starts out as Saul of Tarsus, right? Uh, and he's the guy, you read about him in Acts, Acts chapter 7. He's the guy uh, when they stone Stephen. So Stephen gets up and he's preaching this message. He gives the Reader's Digest version or the, the Cliff's Notes to the history of the nation of Israel. Serious rebuke to these religious leaders. They become so incensed by it. The Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth and they took up stones. And, and you know, if you're going to throw a stone nice and hard to kill somebody, you got to take your coat off. And they got their coats off and they laid them down at the feet of a man named the Apostle. The Saul of Tarsus, who becomes the Apostle Paul, and they throw these rocks and they kill Stephen. And so Paul's there. He's, he's consenting unto the death of Stephen. He's a persecutor of the church. And, and, and so that's who he begins as. And, and then he, he heads out to Damascus and he's going to uh, do the same thing there. He's going to arrest Christians and, and he's going to bring them back and he's going to put them in jail. He's going to deal with all these people who are followers of Christ. And so while he's on the way to arrest these Christians, Jesus arrested him, right? He's going to arrest Christians, but Christ arrested him on the road to Damascus, smacked him to the ground, and, and said, What's up, Paul? What are you doing, Saul? Why are you persecuting those Christians? Is that what he said? He said, Why are you persecuting me? Isn't that awesome? God takes it personally when somebody persecutes you for your faith. Why are you persecuting me? Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> I'm the one you're persecuting. You're off track, Saul. You need to get right. And, and he comes to faith in Christ, and, and he goes on to Damascus, and, and we know the story. Ultimately, he goes up to Jerusalem. And when he goes up to Jerusalem, not surprisingly, nobody wants anything to do with Saul of Tarsus. Right? If I'd watched him lead a group of guys who threw rocks at a guy until they killed him, I probably would be a little skittish as well. Not sure I want to affiliate with that guy. He says he's one of us now. I don't trust him. So most people didn't want anything to do with him, but there's this guy. His name's Barnabas. He's the son of consolation. And so I want us to look, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We're going to do this quick, I promise. But remember earlier, I identified myself as a liar. <laughs> We're going to try to do this quick. Acts chapter 9, real quick. Verse 26, so the latter part of the chapter. So, Paul has just come to faith in Christ. He, he went on to Damascus, you know, there's this thing with Ananias, and he gets his sight back, and... And he spends some time in Damascus, but, but they try, you know, this, 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 you know, in the present distress. Now, he's, now he's, in, he's, he's, in, he's coming in the name of Jesus. He's not fighting against Jesus. And, and all those people who, who he was on the side of before, now they're going to kill him because he's not on their side anymore. Uh, and so they, they get him out of Damascus, and he goes up to Jerusalem. And verse 26 says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were, afraid, they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. They're like, this guy's just an undercover spy, man. Don't trust that guy. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how that he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so Saul's, he's just come to faith in Christ on the road to Damascus. And so he, 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 he gets kicked out of Damascus and he's headed up to Jerusalem. And when he gets up to Jerusalem, the apostles are still there. And, and, and so he comes and he says, hey guys, man, I, I, I'm just tell, I got saved and, and my life's changed now. And, and, and and they said, we, we're not interested, Saul of Tarsus. We don't really want to talk to you. We don't really want to know you. We don't want to accept you into our club. We don't want you to be part of our group. But Barnabas, verse 27, but Barnabas, right? Nobody else wants anything. To, the apostles of Jesus Christ, <laughs> the leaders of the group, don't want anything to do with them. But Barnabas comes along and says, he took him. I, I love that phrase. He took him. He, he went and got him. He put forth effort. It, it wasn't just happenstance. 
It wasn't just convenience of the timing. No, he recognized what was going on, and he, he went and was proactive in getting Saul and bringing him with him. It wasn't, boy, you know, standing at the door saying, I hope he shows up. He took him, and he brought him. He, before it was safe to do so, Barnabas engages this guy named Saul. He, he brings him along with him. Before it was politically correct, he was willing to take the risk and express acceptance for this new guy. And, and realize, when someone accepts the gospel... What their life used to be isn't what it is anymore. And it would be expected that they didn't live like a follower of Christ before, but now something's changed. You might know something about them that doesn't look so favorable. That would, might make you want to reject them, you know? We, we Christians are good at that. What I'm saying to us today is we need to be willing to risk and reach out and take some people and vouch for them. Amen. Barnabas took him. He knew. He knew who Saul of Tarsus was. He had been around. Odds are he was there when he stoned Stephen. He knew what to expect from this guy, but he was willing to take the risk to step in, to initiate conversation, to, to accept him and believe that, that he had a bright future, to include him in the group. That's what encouragement is. And that best happens in the context of a small group. The, the best place to, to invite someone in and, and to vouch for them and to, to be willing to come alongside them is in, in some kind of small group setting. So he, he vouches for him. Not only does he vouch for him, but he, he connects him with the other. He brings him to the apostles. He introduces them to the apostles. He represents him. He risked his own reputation. He gave him his credibility. He said, no, no, guys, this guy is a good guy. I was there. I saw what happened in his life. I've heard his testimony. I've seen him preach in the name of Jesus Christ. He's a good guy. He put him in touch with the leaders of the movement. Now, church is a funny thing. We're oftentimes a hard group to break into. But we say, oh no, oh, we're friendly. Can I, can I help us? Oftentimes we're not, we're not friendly. We're family. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the people that we know, oh, yeah, we're friendly to them. Hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> what about this? Yeah, we have our conversation with them, and we, we have a great connection with those people that we know. We walk right past people we don't know and never speak to them. Right? I'm not trying to be hard on us. I'm just trying to help us to recognize that we need to be Barnabases. We need to be people who, who encourage people, who accept people, who introduce people to people and say, no, 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 here's my friend. Here's my friend, and, and, and they're new, and I want you to make sure that you know them. And, and here's, here's their story, and I know their story because I've asked them about their story, and they've shared their story, and I've shared my story, and, and we've gotten to know each other, and, and, and it's just very new, our relationship. We've connected, but I want to connect them with you because I know they need connections. They need relationships. And again, that happens best in a small group. At the risk of showing my age. I know you said your face has already done it. Quit worrying about it. There was a television show years ago. It was about a bar. And the theme song said this, making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Boy, that was true back then. It's really true now. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same.
You want to go where everybody knows your name. And the sad reality is oftentimes that's true of a bar. But it's not true of the church. We, we need to be a place where we know each other's names and we care about each other. And, and when somebody news comes in, we make sure others know their names. And they have relationships with others. And, and that, that requires that we, we lend them sometimes our credibility. That we connect them with people. Again, that happens best in a small group. He, he defended him against sharp criticism. And again, just in verse 26, they didn't believe that he was a disciple. But, but Barnabas says, no, no, no. I, I was there in Damascus. I heard his testimony. He, he really met the Lord. And, and, he, and he really spoke boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. He believed Paul's testimony. He defended him when others were suspicious and they were they were critical of him and they they didn't want to accept him he stood with him when others wouldn't stand with him he took the risk he was willing to say i'm going to lend my credibility i'm going to be there for you i'm going to encourage you i i want others to know that i'm standing with you people need that a lot of times we see somebody come to christ and and, and we just kind of almost skeptically sit back and say well we'll just see if that's real and I fear at times it may appear not to be real because they never got the encouragement that they needed. They never got the connections that they needed to build relationships. Oftentimes we say to people, no, now that you're a believer in Jesus, you need to, you need to walk away from all those worldly relationships that you have. And we'll see you next Sunday. Well, I, I, I don't know, seven days is a long time without any human interaction. I kind of need some friends. I kind of need some people to hang out with. I need some human interaction here. And again, the present distress has magnified that need. That, that's what it means to be an encourager. And, and let me just say, I, I keep saying that best happens in the context of, of small groups. And, and that's what we need, to, we need to make sure that we're doing. Oftentimes... And I'm, my name's Joe, and I'm a sinner. And I'm the chief of sinners when it comes to this, okay? So I'm not throwing you under the bus, I'm throwing me under the bus. Oftentimes when we meet in a small group, I, my mission is to teach a lesson, not to make a connection. And, and, and teaching a lesson is fine, but if I teach a lesson without making a connection, then I failed. Because I didn't meet to teach a lesson. We met to make a connection. And build a relationship. And I, I think we teach a lot of lessons. We meet for 45 minutes and... That's me. And walk away. Never having connected with anybody. But let me see, let me see. Let me check my... Oh yeah, got that one done. It's not enough. It's not even why we meet. And I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming me. But we've got to correct that. Uh, let, me, let me move on quickly. So he, he, he encouraged him. He, he thought the best of him. and he, he, Even against criticism, when, when others doubted, he still thought the best. And let me just stop right there and say, man, let's be like that. It's so against our human nature. And if this is the reason we have to die, all these things are against our nature. It's a, you know. Show my age again. You know, everybody loves dirty laundry. We, we love gossip. We love bad news. You know, everybody says, man, that negative politic, and I can't stand that stuff. Man, I sure hope they don't go negative on this thing. Why is it the guy that goes negative always wins? Because we're liars. We like negativity. And then we go vote for it. We like dirty laundry. We like a negative story. Let's stop being like that. Let's stop thinking the best of people. Let's start expecting the best. You know, oftentimes our expectations are self-fulfilling prophecies. When we expect the worst out of somebody and treat them like that, we just get what we expected. And then we, and then we gloat and pat ourselves on the back because we were so right. Barnabas was unwilling to do that. 
I, I know this guy killed people. I know this guy killed people in the name of God. But I believe God changed him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that until I see evidence otherwise. We, we usually reverse that, don't we? I'm going to think the negative until I see evidence otherwise. Let's just think the best. Verse 28, moving right along. Acts 9, 28. And, and he was then coming in and out and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Because of, because of what Barnabas did in Paul's life, his gifts and abilities, were his talents, his, his, his usefulness in the kingdom was discovered quickly. And, and he began to exercise that. I mean, very early on, he's, he's coming and going and he's speaking boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. He, he, he's able to, to find his giftedness quickly and, and get involved in his giftedness. Obviously, his history, his, his upbringing and who he had been uh, was, was key to all of that. But, but all of that was discovered very, very quickly because Barnabas took him and he brought him and, and he connected him with people and, and he encouraged him. And so now his effectiveness in the kingdom comes very, very quickly. And I would say, again, the same thing is true. These, these capabilities that he had were manifested because somebody encouraged him and connected him with a group of people. The, the same thing is true in our church. You know, if you just come here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and come in this room and sit down, if you have a need in your life, I, I fear that that need isn't going to be met because ministry best happens in the context of a small group. But I also fear that your ability to meet needs is not going to be achieved. You have gifts and talents and abilities as a believer in Jesus Christ. Nobody gets left off God's gift list. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit lives within you. What came part and parcel with the Holy Spirit of God residing within you is a supernatural enablement. I said a supernatural enablement. Yes, I know we're a Baptist church. I also know the Bible. And with the Holy Spirit of God comes a supernatural enablement. I'm not talking about a sideshow. I'm not talking about craziness. I'm talking about somebody who has been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to serve Him and serving Him in such a way that isn't laborious, but is it, you come away from having done it for hours and you're energized. Because you didn't do it. God did it. He just used you as the vessel. Everybody's like that. Every believer has that. But it's, it, sometimes we come to church and we sit on the back row and we go, man, I don't know. Nobody's discovering me. I don't know. i got great gifts and abilities over here, but nobody's recognizing them. I don't know what's wrong with this place. Probably not going to get discovered there. You need to get in a small group. It's best received and given in the context of a small group. And, and let me just say, we're going to do a better job of this. We've not done a great job of this. But, but small group doesn't, you know, in, in our minds, we've relegated that to a place where a lesson is taught. But a small group doesn't have to be a place where a lesson is taught. A, a small group could be a place where a mission is accomplished. We just need a group of people to get connected to, and we're going to offer you more and more opportunities as we go forward, where it's not just relegated to one thing. It's not that if you're going to connect, you've got to connect right there, and this is the only way to do that, but you can connect to a, a ministry team, a, a team of people who would have a, a mission to accomplish, and so our, our meeting is less about a lesson to teach, it's more about a mission to accomplish. Because it's, it's about exercising our giftedness. And that's what happened when Barnabas encouraged Paul. And, and when Paul came to these serious challenges in his life, verse 29, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. That's a pretty serious challenge. We're going to kill you. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. When challenges came in Saul's life, Barnabas was there to, to help him make him through those challenges. And, 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 and in this instance, it, it required that he deliver him from Jerusalem. And he goes to Caesarea and ultimately back to Tarsus. He goes back home. 
But listen, this was not Barnabas' final encounter with Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. Because remember, Barnabas was the guy that, that when they heard these Gentiles, these filthy dog Gentiles, that's us, are getting saved down in Antioch. Because he's the son of consolation, the apostle said, let's send Barnabas down there to figure out what's going on with that. What's up with that? What's up with them filthy dog Gentiles coming to Jesus? Barnabas, go down and figure that thing out. And Barnabas goes down there, and what the Bible tells us is when he gets down there, he, what, what does he do? What does Barnabas do when he shows up in Antioch? He encourages them. He exhorts them. But he also says, I know the guy for this job. He's Saul of Tarsus. He's the guy that God saved on the road to Damascus and called to be the light to the Gentiles. I think Barnabas discipled the Apostle Paul, but that's my own private heresy. May be true, may be false. He says, I'm going to go get him and bring him here. Because this is where he needs to be. And then when, and then when they, they minister to the church and the church is growing and, and they're in Antioch and, and, and the church in Antioch says, man, we've got to get this message to the world. Paul, you need to go. And Barnabas says, I'm going with him. I'm going to be there with him. We're going to go do this ministry together. And he goes out with him and he ministers with him. And, 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 and as you read through the whole book of Acts, Barnabas is always, he's, he's encouraging people to continue in the faith. Uh, he, he comes to a time when they're being persecuted and he, and he encourages them in the midst of your persecution, know that through much tribulation, you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. It, it, there's going to be fights and battles and tribulation. But it wasn't just about Paul because there would come a time when, when they came back and they've encouraged the church and they've reported to the church and they've said, man, and listen, the result of all of Barnabas is doing is that the church is growing and multiplying and, and believers are being born again and they're coming into the kingdom of God and, and, and much fruit is being born, so God's being glorified. Barnabas is fulfilling his role. He reports that to the church and they say, well, we need to go out again, check on these churches. And, and Paul Paul says, yeah, I'm going to take Silas along this time. Or he actually says, you and Barn, we're going to go. And uh, Barnabas says, yeah, let's take John Mark again. You remember John Mark's the guy who went with him the first time and got to Pamphylia and said, this ain't for me. I'm going back to Mama. And Paul was kind of a hard-nosed guy. And he said to Barnabas, we ain't taking that wimp with us. I'm going nowhere with that guy. Barnabas, the son of consolation, said, okay, Paul, you go take Silas. I'll take John Mark. It wasn't just about Paul. It was about God and fulfilling his role. And he said, I'm going I'm to take John Mark. I'm not, this guy's not disposable. We're not throwing anybody away. I'm going to be there for him. Yeah, he messed up. We all mess up. But he's worthy. And you know, the Apostle Paul figured out by the end of his life that he was worthy. He said, hey, bring, bring John Mark. He's profitable unto me for the ministry. He didn't think he was profitable back in the book of Acts. But when he came to them in his life, he realized what Barnabas had done in his life was worthy. It was profitable. We could go through the, the rest of the book of Acts. We won't take time to do that. But here's what I, here's what I want you to get this morning. Life's about glorifying God. And, and, and would you say the Apostle Paul glorified God with his life? Yeah. He came to the end and said, I fought a good fight. As, as Pastor Mark shared with us in the men's conference, the only good fight you ever have is one you won. Right? You never had anybody say, I lost, but I fought a good fight. <laughs> you don't talk about the fights you lose. You don't talk about the fights you win. He said, I finished my course. He achieved what God put him on this earth to achieve. The Apostle Paul. He said, I kept the faith. At least one of the reasons that all of that is true of the Apostle Paul is Barnabas. If it hadn't been for Barnabas, Paul's end might have looked vastly different. But Barnabas encouraged him. Today, we're the fruit of, of Paul's ministry. We're also the fruit of Barnabas' ministry because he was an encourager to the Apostle Paul. Life's about glorifying God. How do we do that? You bear much fruit. 
Okay, well, how do we bear much fruit? Well, we bear much fruit when our fruit bears fruit. And that requires that we evangelize, but then we encourage those that are evangelized. We do that by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And when we get together, we consider one another and provoke one another and encourage one another. We need relationships. You need to be a part of a relationship. You need a small group of other believers to connect with. You need it for yourself personally, but there's other people who need you. They need you to connect with them. It's not just about me. Life's not about me. I don't know, 8.30? Are you crazy? On Sunday? Yeah. That's that part about dying to yourself. I just don't like doing that. Yeah, it's part of dying to yourself. There are other options. But, but just hear me today. It's not about options. It's not about what I like. It's about figuring out my life is about glorifying God. And it's going to require that I die to myself so that I can evangelize people. I can share the gospel. I can sow the seeds of the gospel. Dying to myself so that I can connect with other people and build relationships with them so that they can be encouraged in their relationship with Christ so they can go forward in that relationship and continue to serve him through the difficulties and the trials of life so that they can come to the end of their lives and say I fought a good fight I finished my course I kept the faith so the question today is how are we doing that how am I doing at that am I connected to a small group if not will I get connected I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We're grateful today for your love for us. We're grateful that you have, again, given us this process. You've made it simple for us. Not easy, but simple. Lord, I pray today you would help us to be a people who would truly come to the end of ourselves, that we would die to ourselves, we would die to our selfishness and our selfish desires and our, our, our metrics of, of success and prosperity in this world. That we just live for you. That we'd realize that, that this life is really about eternity. That we would invest the time that you've given us here in doing the things that you've called us to do that we would sow the seeds of the gospel, that we'd be willing to recognize how important and critical that is, that we would cross that pain line to do that, Lord, that we would be willing to encourage and admonish others, that we would be willing to, to step outside of our comfort zone and step outside of, of our fears and uh, our, our resistance to, to relationships and, and build those relationships so that other people could be encouraged and, and admonished and, and built up and and calls to magnify and glorify you. Lord, may we, may we come to the realization that, that life's not about us, but it's about you. Would you stand with me as, as you stand this morning? We're going to offer you a time to respond to the message today. Maybe you're here today and you've never, you've never received the gospel. There's never been a time in your life that you recognize that you were separated from God by your sin and and you submitted to him, your will to his, and said, I, I can't save myself. I need you, God. We invite you to come. These guys are coming to the end of these aisles to help you. If you, if you don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. If you are uncertain about your salvation, we invite you to come. They'll help you. Maybe today you just need to realize that, man, life's not all about me, and, and I've not been much of the encourager, and I've kind of lived an isolated life, and I need to change that today. I, I need to get into the business of connecting with people and building relationships with people so that people can be encouraged in their faith. I need encouragement. I need to get connected to achieve that.
I want to fulfill my purpose in life. You need to come. We invite you to come. While we sing, let God do in your life what he wants to do. Just as I am without As a body, we, it is critical that we ever be growing larger because we're reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that we also ever be growing smaller so that we're meeting the needs of those people and building relationships. It's not about having a big number and, you know, we got a bigger crowd than somebody else, we got a bigger building than somebody else. Those are all fleshly, carnal ways of measuring success. That's not what it's about. It's about glory to God. And the only way to bring glory to God is through relationships. We have to have relationships with each other. We need each other. We need, the writer of Hebrews said, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. He said, it was important, it was important 2,000 years ago, but I'm going to tell you, man, the closer you get to the day of the coming of the Lord, it's going to be a lot more important. I think it's a lot more important today. I think we need each other more. I encourage you to get connected to a small group of people. A great way to start that's at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. We'll help you find a spot to get in. There's a, there's a Thursday night adult group that meets. You can you get connected there. You can message me or, or any of our staff. We want to help you get connected in those relationships. Of course, the, the smallest of relationships is a discipleship relationship, and we do that uh, after COD. So if you haven't been to COD, you can get signed up for that. Uh, the class that's going on right now is closed, but there'll be a new class uh, starting not, not long from now, so you just contact the church office. It's called Cost of Discipleship is what COD means. We use all these crazy abbreviations around here. Nobody knows what we're talking about. Cost of Discipleship is just a, an upfront class to teach you what discipleship's all about, and then you can get connected in a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Tonight we have all of our groups meeting. I think we have somebody to introduce, so come on. Uh, tonight all of our classes are meeting, 545. 4 o'clock Hebrews class, if you're in that. If you're in a class, you know what the classes are. Plan to be here tonight. The support groups are meeting. Go by the table out there and pick up a prayer guide as you exit today. Thank you so much for being here. And we have one to introduce to you today as a new member of Decatur Baptist Church. Yes, we do, Joe. Thank you very much. And... Uh... Um, it's a privilege for me to reintroduce to our church, Brenda Ivey. Um, she is coming today uh, to, by transfer of letter from Family Baptist. Uh, she has a, a terrible habit uh, that affects her witness in the fact that she tells everybody about Decatur Baptist. In fact, today I think she has some guests with her, uh, Brian and Shana Knutson and us three, Brandon, and maybe others. And Brenda, we're just glad to have you here as a member of our church again. She's already connected with one of our small groups. We're thankful for that. So be sure to come by when we dismiss here in a couple of minutes and uh, welcome her back into the family of Decatur Baptist Church. And then I'll be out at the Welcome Center. And uh, if you're not connected to a small group and you'd like to, come and see me. And I'll get your name, Dan, and we'll meet and talk about where we can best connect you with one of our small groups. Amen. If today's your first day, come by the, the VIP Center. We'd love to get a chance to meet you in a social distance kind of way. Let uh, Brenda know you're glad that she's here. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.